0: Blackboard. Black, black bomb Black 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 ball Black 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 bomb Black 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 is up everybody my name is James D Fiori and this is Black Bolt When I was toiling as a freelance journalist one of the things that I would try to do in order to sort of uh get the spotlight on me or at least uh, have editors sort of take a second glance are the stories that required sort of putting myself in places that normally um, you know a normally journalist 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 would not go i'll give you a quick example and and this guest that i have today isn't quite like this but i'm going to put the connecting tissue together after i i tell you this during the g20 summit in toronto i believe it was 2010 i was walking around uh, toronto uh, as a photographer taking pictures of what had become this um basically it was like a prison in toronto in that all of these barricades among major streets with big fences and menacing looking concrete structures were put in place as security measures i walked up to a group of police officers and i was trying to get past them it was near the convention center in toronto and they said nobody is allowed to go back there okay that's our headquarters that's the security headquarters right there at the convention center and i was like okay and then i just took a different route and then I walked up to the roof of the headquarters, the security headquarters, took a picture of the cops that I just spoke to. And then 10 minutes later, walked back around and I was like, yeah, I just took a picture from that place I'm not allowed to go to. What's going on with security here? And I, I sort of did it like that. The, conne- the connecting tissue is the getting noticed thing isn't about vanity sometimes. Sometimes it's about the work. And sometimes it's about the passion that we find ourselves feeling for an issue that we're reporting on. Whether it's an issue that we want to advocate for or something that speaks to us, these are the kinds of things that that create Pulitzers because you know you're motivated to do things for the right reasons, hopefully. And um, my guest today, I believe, is is motivated to do the work that she does for the right reasons. She's gotten a lot of slack a lot of flack online just because. Um, well, there's a whole bunch of stuff. reasons why a lot of it has to do with people's ignorance. But I, I respect this person because of the way that she's gone about her career. So, uh, with all that in mind, please welcome to the show, Sarah Ashton Cirillo. How are you doing?
1: Hey, James. So, I had to switch from the laptop to my phone because we've lost the internet. So, I just wanted okay. to give you a heads
0: up on that. Okay, that's fair. Enough. Thank you for telling me. Um, welcome to the show. You have a bio. Oh, first, I want to open with this because I think it's important. I'm from Canada. I had not heard of you until roughly about a week ago. I was reading, um, the stories that I was reading were, were surprising in that I didn't know that you were a trans woman until like yesterday evening. And, I, and, and you know what I liked about that? Everything. Because it felt like you were doing what you were doing in your career based on bona fides, and not because you were being used uh, as a token example of, of how a trans woman can, can be a reporter in a war zone. Is, is that something that you kind of are, are hopeful that people are digesting what you are, like your bio, basically, um, in a way that, that is similar to that? Sure.
1: It, it's something that I'm glad you're leading with. Because when people do choose to talk about me being trans, Oftentimes, it conflates with the work that I'm doing. And ultimately, we say here in the military, especially among my commanders, when this comes up, that in Ukraine, we're not talking about tolerance, we're talking about liberty. And liberty means living your life the way you need to, living who you are, your truth, without worrying about uh, any sort of identifier in front of it. We're fighting for freedom, we're fighting for liberation. And ultimately, the trans thing is way down the list for, for my commanders here and many of the folks who are in Ukraine. And compared to how it is in the United States and Canada, at times, I understand that it is who I am. I happen to be transgender. There's no getting around it. But ultimately, it doesn't define
0: me. Well, that's, it's honestly refreshing to hear someone say that because... I th- it must be tempting, I guess, if you're a part of a group that is considered marginalized by society. It might be tempting for some, no matter what group that happens to be, to spotlight it themselves as a way of saying, "No, we could do this as well." But when the when, but when it's work like journalism, like I could see that for like you know a, a, some sort of entertainment industry to have that sort of mindset. But for something like journalism, the work itself is supposed to pr- be prioritized over everything else, including the identity of the person giving the news, right?
1: As a journalist, as a soldier, as an analyst, at different times, even as a political operative, as it's going to come up, I'm certain, hmm. and so I'm using this term. Come uh, up right now, sir. Right? <laughs> well, sure. Uh, it's not supposed to be about the spotlight. Just due to circumstance, due to happenstance, I am oftentimes part of the story, but it's not supposed to be that way. And when we attempt to stick our identifiers into the story, it conflates the truth and, and that's where it allows propaganda to come out. When I came to Ukraine, I never discussed being trans. Obviously I was writing for an LGBTQ paper and it was out there, but I never pushed it until the Russians themselves uh, attacked me with it in April when uh, Maria Zakharova put out a statement about me being a transgender journalist from uh, you know, Nevada, Las Vegas, who takes pictures with gangsters, and then I I put it front and center for for many months. The Russians ran again on television in November, I believe, and ultimately that's why I've now taken it completely out of my identifier. But if you go to my Wikipedia, it's it's there, and obviously it's who I am. I'm. Am, it doesn't make me any more or any less, and I don't want to be tokenized by one side, and I don't want to be demonized by the other, because at that's not how we can accomplish our jobs when we're stuck in the middle of this tug of war.
0: Yeah. Sometimes the identity of a person is relevant to the story and just sometimes it's a distraction. So I I totally understand that. So when I was going through my Sarah deep dive, I was surprised to find out that you were an opposition research person for Republican candidates. Mm -hmm. Um, And I asked you off air, I'll just ask you the exact same question because I thought your answer was, was actually kind of fascinating. The, I, th- I was projecting because I would have done it like this. I would have gone undercover <laughs> and I would have like, you know, done all this mischievous shit and then tried to publish afterwards, but you didn't do that. And I'm just curious. Can you tell me um, why you, uh, a person who describes herself, I think he's sorry, it's from memory, a liberal libertarian, or progressive libertarian or something like that.
1: Yes. A leftist libertarian.
0: Right. And so a lot of people might think that that's paradoxical, but there is a large overlap of issues that liberals and libertarians agree on, they just come at it from different starting points, right?
1: Correct. And and that's what allowed so much of my work and message to resonate with the GOP. What I ran into, so there were two different moments that there was controversy with me and the GOP. The first is after the election, when it was revealed to me that they were attempting to overthrow the election uh, election in Nevada regarding uh, Trump's um, campaign against Joe Biden, so I had to go public with with that. However, my work for the GOP was so strong that GOP candidates continued to work with me even after this came out. As I mentioned off-air, my best friend happens to be a a pundit for Newsmax and and Fox News, Uh, very good friends with, with Republicans. However, the people that I came out against in, in some of what I discussed was not because they had an R next to their name. It's because they were not good for the country. It's because they were radical to the point of attempting to usurp liber- uh, liberty in the United States. And some of my writings in the Nevada Independent uh, attacks Democrats and Republicans equally for their just tendencies. You can be a leftist or you can be somebody on the right. And as long as you you subscribe to this sort of libertarian ethos, then you're going to be on the right side of history because you can have debate over the best way to achieve something. The question is, are you trying to stop the republic in the United States, which happens to be a republic as you know? Are you trying to usurp liberty? Are you trying to end democracy? If you are, fuck yourself.
0: Did you ever wonder if the those same Republicans would have hired you to be sort of like a public face, like a press secretary, instead of an opposition research person who their names don't normally get into print because of any real significant reason?
1: I was approached to, to run for office um, by Republicans. I was offered analyst jobs by Republicans. I was front and center in, in the campaign because I was the one getting quotes and so it was very much at least in Nevada uh, very much a, a public facing public facing role and representing judicial candidates the way I did oftentimes I wouldn't allow them to speak I would make sure I was speaking for them and we would touch on the issues that were important to them and when it came to judging candidates The question was, if I appeared in a courtroom, in the case of the judges, I didn't care about party. If I appeared in a courtroom, who would treat me better as a human being, as a trans person, or as a human being? Who would also make certain that they're not legislating from the bench? And that's one of the problems we have in the United States. So me saying that line, I don't want someone who's gonna legislate from the bench, resonates with Republicans. However, it also resonates with Democrats. And so people Especially are just able the Trump to. Pay.
0: presidency, right?
1: Absolutely. During and and right after, both both sides were really getting tired of that. And so ultimately, what we ran into with the election work was, it wasn't even an approach. It's who I am, speaking the truth with the candidates that I was working with.
0: Well, I think we might've lost. Oh, Sarah, you're I'm back. back. You're back. Okay, I am back. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't, Sorry.
0: um, yeah, th- th- I think that we put that one to bed pretty well. Okay. I want to get to, um, I want to get to when you first went over, actually first, if I can just play something here because I thought this was fascinating as well. Um, I don't know if I would have the stomach to be a war correspondent. I'm just being honest because I have a tough time with, um, with death as it is, <laughs> you know, and, and, um, and I have a, I have a tough time with things that are, you know, violent and everything. So Sarah is uh, having trouble with her internet. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play this clip and hopefully she'll be, there we go.
1: I'm back and I okay. have my backup internet on, so I hope it doesn't go down. Listen, Sarah, Again, you're in a I war apologize. zone.
0: Imagine me going, Oh, this is just unacceptable. Can you find a good place in the war zone for an internet? Um, okay. So I'm going to play a, a quick clip and then uh, we'll come back.
1: Sarah Ashton Cirillo I'm in Kiev Ukraine October 10th 2022 Russian terrorism at its worst a Ukrainian civilian dead in the center of the street as the first responders working rapidly to put out the rest of the flames. Sarah Ashton Cirillo our Kiev Ukraine Kiev Ukraine October 10th 2020
0: how difficult is that like for a bunch of reasons like I would be thinking what are the people around me thinking you know um am I am I coming off excited to be there or, or, or seriously reporting news? That's just me. And I feel like I would be thinking about that a lot. And I'm just curious what your approach was when you do a little piece of footage like that.
1: That morning was very interesting. I was in Kiev getting ready to enlist. I was already doing civilian work for the government. I was in the midst of writing a paper for the government when the rockets hit. And ultimately, I didn't, it didn't register because I knew the sound of a rocket hitting coming from Harakiv, but I didn't expect it. It hit about uh, 100 to 200 meters from my house. I went downstairs. I covered the story. As I said to Voice of America, and I told others for, it was, death had become normalized with the terrorism against civilians. It was not the first time I had made a report like that. I came up upstairs, back to my apartment at 25 minutes. I sent my clips off to uh, my commander, and then I went back to writing my report. It was unfortunately just another day of terrorism with the Russians. Then, as people may have seen, uh, Stratcom ran it in full, and that's because all of my videos had to get approval from the Ukrainian government. and so. Within, within the ecosphere of how the government felt about me doing it, they greenlit it. Uh, that's why President Zelensky ran it. That's why it was on all the national news. Uh, the only outrage were from folks who had not been used to that. But in this particular case, this is life. This is life in the eastern part of Ukraine. This is now life in Kyiv. This is life in Kherson every day. And felt the world needed to see it. I, I made some clips. Uh, one was much worse, much, much worse. One day I saw something I that, saw that was I the think... most
0: horrifying Yes, horrifying. Harf- yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yes. Correct. And they were like, "No, you, you can't release that." And I'm like, "Okay." Um. And so it, it's place after being in a Zoom for four straight days with the with the burials. I've seen dozens. Dozens of freshly uh, deceased civilians. It's it's something that is such a tr- on humanity that it was more of me. Let me get this out there because I was so enraged that it happened a couple of hundred meters from my home in the capital. After having been in Kharkiv and going through this for almost eight months, that uh, the world needed to see it but again. I sent it off to the government before they told me to go ahead and release it.
0: The, the, the question that just popped in my mind right now: um, I'm admittedly naive to how this would work when you have a war going on in your own soil. But I'm a big believer in freedom of the press. The, when the government has to approve <clears throat> videos, I had that, stopped
1: working as a no. I had stopped working as a journalist in August. My last byline with LGBTQ Nation was August. By okay. September, I was working full time uh, as a civilian for, for the Ukrainian um, military.
0: Oh, okay. So, so other outlets, their press doesn't have to put anything through the government. No way,
1: no way. Okay. I as, okay. absolutely not. In fact, what we're fighting for is to guarantee free press. What we're fighting for is to guarantee free speech. Uh, however, as somebody who was representing the government at that time, although albeit on a much uh, quieter love many people knew about this including other outlets and i was i had to stop writing at the end of august in order to make certain that i wasn't going to hurt lgbtq nation and i wasn't going to hurt the reputations of, of any publishers and editors uh that i would be writing for and so i made the decision i think my last byline uh paid byline was august 27 maybe 24th something like that James James
0: okay all right guys sorry about that um that was a patented restream glitch i guess you would call it um it's really starting to get annoying because they always happen in the middle of important interviews and i'm hopeful that sarah will come back um yeah that was a fascinating interview so far i i I hope she comes back um let's see see if i can come back (laughs) come back okay I'm going to put up a couple of graphics here just while we wait. And hopefully she can come back of the difference between how things are reported by some media outlets versus others. So here. Okay. There we go. Hey hi, James. Hi. Sorry. That was probably on my end. Um, okay. Stream is the software that we use here at the Dean Blundell network and blackballed. I got to say you guys are glitchy as hell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not sure where we left off. Um, Cause my anger just raised from just now, but um,
1: i I think I wanted to make certain that folks understood that I was not acting as an independent journalist. I was acting as a civilian uh, working with the Ministry of Defense and uh, zsu
0: That's right. Okay. Um, what The decision to actually enlist in the Ukrainian military, do you have ties to Ukraine? Or was it just the firsthand witnessing of what kind of atrocities can be committed by one side?
1: Okay. It was the first-hand witnessing. I spent a significant amount of time working for the town of Zolichiev, which is about 10 kilometers from the Russian border. I've worked literally along the Russian border. Uh, Maybe the closest I've been is 5 to 700 meters from Russia, Uh, and much closer to Russian soldiers, but from Russia itself, just about 500 meters on multiple occasions. And so seeing what I saw through Kharkiv over eight months uh, seeing what I saw at a torture chamber in Trostyanets, which is in Sumi Oblast in uh, June, made the war very personal for me. Now, other journalists don't go through that. For me, it did become personal, and that led directly to me uh, choosing to enlist.
0: Um, have you been okay with, as far as mental health goes, have you experienced any trauma or any sort of PTSD symptoms or anything like that?
1: I think there's a uh, collective PTSD that we're all dealing with. Uh, for me, uh, for me, when I lived in Harakiv, it was very bad because we came to expect every morning between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. rockets to come down. If you go into my Twitter timeline, uh, sometimes I would be reporting that the rockets hit maybe 30 seconds before the air raid sirens went off uh, because it was coming down that frequently. So you never slept. Right. And uh, that was one of them. Then when I first got to Kiev, it took me a bit of assimilation to get used to being around so many people because Kharkiv was such an empty place. And ultimately though, you realize that it's something you can deal with afterwards. Uh, in the moment, it's not, it, it's, it's bad, but everyone is going through their own battles And so the trauma that all soldiers, that civilians, that all of society is going to have to go through because of the Russian terrorism is something that we will, uh, you know, we'll all have to work through individually and collectively. But for right now, we put it aside and we are focused on the mission.
0: I know it'd be kind of annoying when people um, make contrasts between one conflict versus another. Uh, But I wouldn't be able to help it. Like, I I see the footage that I just played of you. Um, There is a dead civilian in the background. And obviously passions are stirred up because an invading force dropped bombs that killed civilians. And as an American, did any of this harken back to Iraq or Afghanistan for you? I
1: was an absolute opponent of us going into Iraq. Hmm. I was upset over the fact that we pulled out of Afghanistan. Because if you start a mission, you want to complete a mission. So I looked at both of them separately. Iraq was was a travesty and something that was created under pretenses that were fictitious. Afghanistan was acquired too, and I'm upset that we left. I acknowledge that through warfare, civilians were, were killed in both of those wars, as they were in Vietnam. No... No one has clean hands in the United States from the Iraq war. Uh, We all allowed it to take place and we supported it. And so ultimately uh, that thought has, you know, used to go through my mind when I would have to say, why was I against one war and so focused on another, but then you realize this is terrorism. This is an invasion. This was not where uh, a country or a group had gotten together and made a global and collective decision. I mean, we can look at Iraq and say that it wasn't just the United States that 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 took part in that war. It was other nations as well, yeah. In, yeah. in a collective yeah. decision.
0: Yeah. And so I'm right. laughing well, because the coalition of the willing was like, like yeah, right, country, it, exactly. No one had ever heard of that. Had like one guy with a shovel as their military, you know?
1: Well, you know, you had that, but you also had it taking place in front of the United Nations. Russia did not sit in front of the United Nations and say. Uh, We're going to uh, invade uh, Ukraine. They said we weren't going to invade Ukraine. And then they invaded in a full scale invasion on February 24th and have kidnapped people and have targeted civilians. And that's the significant difference.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Russia, Russia's, I think we should be thankful a little bit that Russia doesn't have, you know, the war chest or the equipment and military personnel that they used to, Um, you know, because I think, was that one of the. The surprising things as a as a correspondent um was that one of the things that was, that may have been surprising journalists more than anything else is that it turned out like by we well, started in February by I would say early June people were like ah uh, that's it <laughs> you know like we're we're you know this is a smaller military than most people imagine
1: i arrived in harkiv uh, march 10th i arrived in harkiv oblast march 9th so that was about two little over two weeks or two weeks after the full-scale invasion. I kept on waiting for warplanes to fly over. I kept on waiting for literal uh, bombs to be dropped from bombers on us. I was waiting. I remember at the end of April, I received a phone call from someone in Western Ukraine, a Ukrainian who said, you have to leave Kharkiv. They're going to invade and you're going to die. And you need to leave now. And that was one of the times I came very, close to leaving. And because I trusted this person, uh, she's a medical doctor and uh, university professor, very intelligent uh, woman. And I said, Oh, my God. And then they attacked the Kramatorsk train station, which was a very famous attack at that time. And I said, basically, uh, I'm going to stick this out. And so we waited. And then we waited on victory day, uh, March, uh, May 8th, May 9th, we kept on waiting for them to come. And so there were all these days spent in the spring waiting to be attacked by this army. And then you realize it's not coming. And then you do realize, too, when they're mobilizing three, four hundred thousand people, they announced the new mobilization today. That even if they do come, they will come and they will die on this soil because they are not properly trained uh, soldiers. They're, um, they're either mercenaries or they're the dregs of the Russian society that are being thrown there to be fodder for our ammunition. James, I think I lost you again. If anybody's watching Blackballed, um, this is Sarah Ashton, I'm a guest with James and i think there's been a technical issue so just stay tuned i'm sure he's coming back
0: acting you so much that you would end up becoming a war correspondent okay sarah you're back um can everyone write a letter to restream and demand that they blow up their building, please? Because, God damn it. Okay, I forgot where we're at again because of my seething rage. But um,
1: I, I think I was mentioning that uh, we kept on waiting for the invasion. That never came. We kept on waiting for... W- w- James, would it be easier if I took off the video and just went to audio?
0: We're going to see if uh, we can fix restructuring problems for restream and just go to audio is that what you want to do that's
1: what i think maybe it will be
0: better okay see where it goes
1: hey hey james how's this
0: um that's great i have a still image of your eyes <laughs> oh my gosh weird yeah. yeah like you look like you're promoting a mask that you're not wearing correctly because <laughs> like there you go that's better right. um okay maybe hopefully that'll work um okay now i, I on a little bit just because i want to know what it was like uh when you were getting into ukraine and the things that happened with your id that your your two ids that had different genders on them can you tell me about that
1: sure uh i was very afraid to even come into ukraine i thought i would be stopped because in uh about a year earlier my gender marker had changed my
0: I You're lost started. you again, I think. No, no. Okay, there? Okay, okay, I just put perfect. you on full screen. Yep.
1: Okay, perfect. Uh, so my gender marker had changed. My uh, name had legally changed. My driver's license had changed. Everything was great with my transition. And I said, oh, if I'm going to Ukraine, I might not be going to Ukraine. I'm going to go to Poland to cover the refugee crisis. I know the EU will let me in. And I flew over. Germany let me in. I took a train ride from Germany to Poland. And the next day I met these folks who said, or that night uh uh, in Poland, I met these folks who said, we're going to Ukraine the next day. They said you should come with. I said, no, I'm too scared. About an hour before the train left, they convinced me to go with them. And they knew the situation. And at that point, I first had to exit out of Poland which was not the easiest thing because it elicited, you know, questions. Mm. And then at that point I got on the train and it was myself. It was some of these uh, other folks from the United Kingdom and then everyone else was um, either returning Ukrainian men, military or supplies. Mm. So we cross, we get stopped. The border passport control control comes on, and I presented a passport that looked nothing like me. I mean, <laughs> folks can go online; they can see what I look transition. It's not what I look like now. I came armed with some press clippings about me, about my transition, about my books, so they could see that I was a journalist, see that I went through the transition. At that point. They came and got security services who came on, and I was interrogated, as I mentioned. So I'm not bald for the world who thinks I'm bald. I'm not bald, but
0: I have... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not bald. There you bald have is it. gross. Guys, I'm not bald. I'm not that much of a loser. Okay, James, go ahead. Shut up. Be <laughs> quiet, James. So, um, <laughs> uh, so But
1: they made me take off my hairpiece. They took pictures of me. They took pictures of me. I'll say that. And then they said, welcome to Ukraine. And they let me in after about 45 minutes in the middle of a war zone. I was not expecting it.
0: I was astonished. I mean, I mean, like if you, if you just sort of ignore the possible motivation being um, like just the trans part and not the photo that look nothing like you, I mean, 45 minutes is not a big deal. Like, I don't know how you're going to change the hearts and minds of the one or two guys that may be seemed a little bit bigoted, but I mean, you know, it's a war zone.
1: I, I, I couldn't believe it. I don't think it had anything to do with trans. I think they were in the middle of a war zone and it was something they didn't want to deal with.
0: Yeah. I don't think there was, if if you're, if you're trying to get into a country that's in the middle of a war and the photograph on your passport doesn't look anything like you, I'm not sure they should have let you in, Sarah. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. Let's
1: put it this way. I'm shocked. I didn't think I'd be. Once I was let in, that was a WTF moment. And ultimately, obviously, I'm grateful they let me in. But I, I still can't believe from security standpoint, they did it. It yeah. was astonishing. Astonishing. Um,
0: let me play devil's advocate for a moment. Because uh, sometimes when I have a guest, um, I wouldn't call you a controversial guest. Like I've had like Christine Anderson from the uh, the German uh, separation par- uh i can't remember what the name of the party is anyway she she's the one that that eviscerated justin trudeau on the floor of the european parliament for being a dictator and um and so the controversial guests like that always ends up uh i get people emailing me don't platform that person because they don't know that an interview i mean i hate i hate the word platforming i just can't stand it like if i'm interviewing somebody i'm not adopting their views i'm just interviewing
1: I want to just say this: I actually don't have a problem with Musk allowing all these people back on, because ultimately, if you're an idiot and you have idiotic views, the world needs to know what a stupid fool you are.
0: And sunlight uh, is the best it, disinfectant, right?
1: Yes, that's what
0: it is. Um. So, but the how would I work? I forgot. My dog just whined in the background, and were, I'm having a very senile, senior today i think like every time something happens it pushes out um the the question that i had oh now i remember as i ramble i had people emailing me and uh there was like eight emails that were negative and one of the emails um uh,
1: i can't hear you james
0: james Okay, there you are. You're there. Um, yeah. I, I got it. Restream. I'm going to just turn this entire, like, interview into, like, a, I'm going to bash restream because this is ridiculous. Saying that she was doing all of this just to be famous, um, she that she was sort of like...
1: James. James. James?
0: Yay. <laughs> okay, I'm going to end this interview because um, I can't take it anymore. Um, <clears throat> okay, next next glitch, sir. I'm, I'm just going to end it, and I'm going – if you hear a faint F word from where you are in Europe, that's me. Okay. I just
1: switched back to the desktop in hopes of it being better, but I'm not sure.
0: I don't think it's you. I think it's reached me. It's always, this is always the way it is. Um, unfortunately, a really, what I would – what I thought was a really good interview was interrupted a million times by glitches and restream. We'll see if we can figure that out um, before we post it onto the other portals. But they said, these people that were emailing me that you were doing this to be famous. And I was just wondering what your response would be to that kind of criticism. Come to Ukraine. And if they sent it from Ukraine, say it to my face. I've lived in Ukraine for 10
1: months. I'm a member of the military. I have a three-year contract. I'm not in the Legion. I'm with the ZSU. I've had to go through counterintelligence background checks, which very few foreigners have.
0: Did they I ask if your know passport photo was someone different? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
1: And so ultimately, uh, I'm going to have criticism from people who are jealous because they think that being some sort of personality, for lack of a better term, on Twitter is something great. It's not necessarily the best thing. It's made me a target in Russia. And ultimately, significant amount of the work I do for... The military, for the Ministry of Defense, is very much out of the public eye. Clearly, these are allegations that have been made against me from the beginning. And so ultimately, uh, as I said, they're welcome to say it to my face. I would love for them to message it to me. I would love for them to go ahead and uh, debate me. Let's have a debate on blackball
0: Yeah. I I would definitely host a debate like that on Blackball. So so feel free to
1: uh, go ahead. Can I just
0: say, what a ridiculous route to take to get famous. mm -hmm. Like, put yourself in danger in a war zone. Like, I'm not saying you would ever do this, but a gun to my head, what am I going to choose? Go to a war zone or a sex tape? I'm going sex tape. That's a lot easier.
1: (laughs) You know, know, people have major fetishes for transgender women. Uh, I can tell you that a lot of people in politics were interested in me. And I can also say that I was in the Washington Post, the Daily Beast, and many local papers before I ever stepped foot in Ukraine. I published two books before I got here. And I can't help it that they aren't familiar with the political machinations of the great state of Nevada. But they're welcome, as I said, to debate right here on Black Bald with James D. Fiore. So everyone, uh, there's been another glitch, but it's something that James is working on fixing this. Oh, hey.
0: Yeah, there you are. Okay. So let's, let's end it here. I I would hate for another thoughtful answer to be interrupted by a glitch.
1: All right. I I promise that I would love to come on with you again. And I uh, look forward to continued discussion where we're not having this issue. Guys, I think uh, it's I think that's it for this blackballed episode. I'm not certain that uh, James's system's working out and I'm glad that people are watching shout outs to Stuart, uh, Jen, Elaine and yeah, so okay, I wanted to make sure it wasn't me and uh, here we go, James. yeah, I'm gonna
0: here go. <laughs> Um, it's, it's, it's going to glitch. It's going to keep going. I can just tell. Um, so, and by the way, we're off air. I can tell now. Okay. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Elaine. If you can still hear me and, Hey, Lori, thank you very much for listening. Love Canada. Absolutely love Canada.
0: Yeah, um, we're going now. <laughs> Sarah, I don't know if you can hear me, uh, but we're going I now. Wait. I have to end this before it glitches again. Because if it glitches again, then it will just be another two minutes of dead air. Um, let's
1: do this again, James.
0: Yeah, let's. sorry about that. So thank you, though, for for joining us today. I'm going to quickly see if I can get my outro in before... The next glitch happens because, you know, restream is anything but consistent. Um, yeah, I would love to have you back. I would love to have an uninterrupted interview with you because I think I learned a lot. And um, and I really think that your bio is one of the most amazing stories I've read in a long time. So, thank you, uh, Sarah, Ashton, Sorrella, thank you for joining us today. Bye. Blackboard. Black, black, blackboard. Black, 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 blackboard. Black, 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 blackboard.